0: This podcast is brought to you by the Gosh Learning Academy.
1: Hello and welcome to NHS Careers Untapped. The NHS is one of the largest employers in the world. But most people, when they think of a job in the NHS, think of doctors and nurses. However, the NHS is so much more. There's a huge variety of jobs you can do, suiting all interests and personalities. In this podcast, we will be talking to people working in the NHS, in jobs you might never have heard of before, finding out exactly what they do, how they came to be working in that job, and what they love most about it. Today, I'm joined by Sammy, who works in quality improvement for the NHS. So thank you very much, Sammy, for coming on the show and talking to me. No worries at all. Pleasure to be here. So to start with, can you just tell me about your job? What do you do and where do you do it? So
0: I'm currently employed by Croydon Health Services, and I'm the Associate Director for Croydon Quality Improvement. So it's a pretty hefty title. But in essence, what that means is I lead a small team of improvement facilitators who are here to help embed improvement capacity and capability within Croydon, so trying to help staff to make their work and their services safer and better than people that use the hospital or the environments that they work in. And how long have you done this job for? So I've been fairly new to the role, actually. I only started in September in 2021, so it's just over a year. It does fly by very quickly, especially when you're learning something new. Because I have a very varied and sort of different background from this particular role that I'm in now. But it was my passion for improving practice and trying to make things better within hospital that kind of led me to
1: where I am today. How did you get this job and what's your background? What did you do before? So I qualified as an adult nurse back in
0: 2009. So I started my career within the NHS as a registered nurse. And I went to Kingston University. My first job was at King's College Hospital, where I took a preceptorship role in day surgery. So I started working in theatres. I trained to do anaesthetics and scrub nursing, recovery. And I enjoyed anaesthetics so much that from my Band 5 post at King's, I went to the Southwest London Elective Orthopaedic Centre as a Band 6 nurse in anaesthetic nursing and pre-op. And I stayed there for a year. I get itchy feet. And I think one of the joys of working for the NHS is that there are so many different places and ways you can work and types of jobs that you can do, that there are so many opportunities available to you. And I think after two years of doing something that I really enjoy, you then find little pockets of things that you enjoy, particularly more than other things. And so some of that was about mentoring colleagues, especially new members of staff coming in and introducing kind of new ideas or ways of working to make things better. I then took a job at Croydon as a transfusion practitioner, which is a particularly unique role and actually very different from everything I'd done before. But the role of a transfusion practitioner is very dynamic and it involves a lot of teaching, writing policies and guidelines to help standardise practice in the hospital, preventing adverse events and incidents from happening that relate to transfusion, for example, but also networking with fellow transfusion practitioners within London and eventually across the country, and that allowed me to explore driving change from my own perspective and being able to create different ways of working, and I really, really enjoyed that. I was doing transfusion practitioner role for seven years, and over that time, I'd led many quality improvement projects at Croydon Health Services and really found my passion for it. And it was by chance that this particular role came up. And it was a significant step for me. It was an opportunity for me to, to kind of progress in my career, sort of personally, but also professionally to do something that I really enjoy and to make a real difference at the hospital, really. So I took this role on, as I said, in September, and it's been a year since.
1: Wow. Okay. So actually, you're a really good example of what we're hoping to highlight in this podcast, which is that the NHS has loads of career opportunities beyond what people tend to think about as typical kind of nhs roles your doctor your nurse and so you've kind of worked your way through doing a couple of those roles and found where your passion lies and moved moved into that thinking more specifically about your role now in quality improvement Mm -hmm. is there any particular training you needed additionally to all the training you'd done before to kind of prepare you for your current role In terms of applying for a role, you need to be able to
0: evidence your experience and how your training is relevant to the post that you're applying for. So it doesn't necessarily predictate what you have to study, but it needs to be relevant to what you're trying to do as a job. Otherwise, you might be the best fit or best candidate. One of the other good things about the NHS is that it recognizes that you might not necessarily have everything that you need at the point of application, If you're working towards it, that's considered as a reasonable grounds to potentially give you an opportunity in a post. But in terms of quality improvement, there are lots of different ways you can train and learn to do this particular job. And there isn't necessarily a one size fits all approach to it. So some of the background requirements will be things like experience in having delivered improvement and how you can evidence that you've done that. There are various courses you can do. So in healthcare, one of those courses is called CUSA, which stands for Quality Service Improvement and Redesign. So this particular program's devised by NHS England and Improvement. I did mine virtually through UCLH, but actually I did that when I started the job. So I didn't technically have it at the point of application. There are qualities that you can bring off or transferable skills that you can't necessarily evidence on a job description, but you can evidence in an interview and how you talk and the questions that you answer. So things like how you work with teams, how you talk to people, they see that and they can hear that in an interview and that you can't necessarily read that. So those things are really valuable because you can't often teach those. Sometimes employers look for those things. And train you in your job or in your new role to get you the qualifications that you need to deliver on the role that you're employed for. So for me, that was the case. I've got a lot of my qualifications for this particular job while doing it.
1: Okay. So can you talk to me a bit more about that? What personal qualities or skills do you think are needed for your job, which are most essential? So I would
0: say a good 80% of my role is about people. It's about the people that do the jobs day in and day out and that can recognize where things can be better or could be made better to help them to do it for themselves. So a large part of it is how we work as teams and with teams to support them to to do the improvements that they want to do and teach them how to do it. And we will then support them to do that through training and pulling together who we call key stakeholders. So for example, if a nurse thinks that the paperwork that they're using in the department is lengthy and, and a waste of time and a waste of resources, we might then call in IT and say, right, we have an idea. We think we can improve how they work in this department by making this piece of paper electronic. So the key stakeholders will be people that use the form, the IT department that create the form and help them to develop that idea implement it and then kind of measure whether or not that improvement has made a difference. And none of that could happen if you don't engage with the people that are responsible for all of the different parts of that process and get and getting this buy-in really and ideas out in the open so we can all kind of shush them out and work together to make a difference. So it's really about people. Project work is pivotal in my kind of day-to-day role Understanding how to manage a project and deliver it on time is quite important, which is why, as I've mentioned previously, having a project management
1: qualification or training is particularly useful in this role. You obviously got into this career with a a nursing background. Is that always the case? What other routes into a career and quality improvement within the NHS are there? So I guess thinking about members of your team. Do all of them have nursing backgrounds, or is there anyone that's come into that job in a slightly different way? No, I mean, absolutely not. I think for me, being a nurse is actually quite a unique background
0: to have for this particular role. And it has its strengths and limitations. So the strengths being that I understand clinical context, I understand clinical environment. And when people are approaching us with ideas of change, it's easier for me to translate what they're trying to do and to help them. So that has its strengths. So This is a good opportunity in that respect for those who do have that clinical context. But very often, this type of role is more administrative backgrounds or project management backgrounds. So those people that have delivered on projects before, so they might have worked in the NHS and they might not even have worked in the NHS at all, worked at other companies. So there can be a more governance and quality assurance background to people that do this role. And as I say, there are strengths and and limitations with any of them. And so my team, again, are quite varied. So one of the facilitators was an outpatient manager before. So not having actually had any quality improvement training or experience, but having managed a department, they then sort of came into this role and grew with it as I had. Another member of my team worked in social care and housing. So led the service user complaints department. So she managed a small team of people who were handling complaints, but had an interest in improvement and had done some improvement training within that particular role. So you can have an administrative background in that you you don't work clinically and you don't work patient facing, but then equally the role is open to somebody who might have a professional background.
1: What does a typical day look like for you? What do you do on the kind of average day? The other good thing about working in quality improvement is you don't particularly
0: do the same thing. So if you like variety and change, then this is ideal for you. There are a number of things that are quite frequent. So we do very often have meetings and I do have to write reports. I have a lot of responsibility to deliver on some of those strategic goals that are set for the year. So it's important that I do continue to push through and try and get through those. I still very much like doing the improvement work as well as as supporting those that are doing it. So I get stuck in wherever I can, really. So one of the projects I have on at the moment is improving daughter analgesia time in the emergency department for our sickle cell patients. And the registrar lead in ED is very passionate about it. And there's an amazing little team down there that are trying to make things better for those particular service users. That's one There are some bigger projects that we have under our radar, so things like what we call transformation programs, one of which is in theatres. So we have a number of theatres and we have, as you may be aware, the NHS has quite a significant backlog for elective surgery. So we're trying to help improve our ability to get more patients into hospital to have those procedures and discharged home so we can treat more people within the resources and the, the facilities that we have. So those the, those bigger transformation projects require a lot more investment of time and discussions with lots of different people and different groups of people and professionals to help everybody kind of sing from the same hymn sheet really and understand how we can move forward. We do lots of Zoom and virtual, which is has its strengths and has its limitations, but that then also enables me to do a bit of work from home if I want to. So nobody, you know, it's not prefixed as such when I can and can't do that. So, yeah, I, you know, like I say, it's a very diverse role and it's very interesting and you can make it and mold it into what you want from your own kind of passions. But equally, you, you have targets and objectives to meet and deliver on so that you're doing the best for your organization. And as long as I'm doing that and they're happy, then I take every day as it comes, really
1: what is it that you like most about your job? And on the flip side, what is it that you find the most challenging perhaps? Well, ironically, I'm going to start with the, the challenging part
0: because I think I'd like to finish on a positive. Earlier on, I mentioned how a lot of what I do is about people. Now, people are wonderful and I love working with people and listening to different views and perspectives, getting different ideas, collaborating on ideas. Helping to help people realize their visions and, and doing the things that they want to do. And that in turn then encourages others. They see a difference. They see that they've been heard. They see that their voice matters and that they can make a change they feel they need to. So that's the positive sides of people and change. However, naturally, I do feel that a lot of people are quite resistant to change. And very often we default to, uh, oh, it can't be done. Or, oh, we're never going to get the funding. Or, oh, you know, I don't have time for this. And so that culture shift is actually quite a difficult part of my role because I can very often see the benefits of of doing something and I'm the one going, yeah, this is great. We can do it. But when you're hit with resistance and negativity, it then becomes quite challenging to turn that around into a positive to actually then move forward. So that can be quite difficult. And what I have found is the easiest way to try and tackle those sorts of barriers are to start small then you scale up and then over time you build on smaller little pieces of work and over time that then shifts the culture within that team or that department and then lo and behold a year later you've made significant differences to the care that you deliver or the services that you provide and your teams are then able to continue to do that because they've seen the benefits of of doing so and they have then learned how to so it does take time and patience is really important. And so then when I do see those those outcomes, that's when I, I get excited and that's when I start to showcase those pieces of work in other areas and to other teams so that they can see, oh, okay, it can be done or You know, there is someone listening and there is a way outside of the way we do things. So those are the joys that I have. You get little quick wins and then you have those slightly longer, more challenging pieces of work, but eventually you get there and eventually something happens and you start to see that spark in people and you start to see the differences they're making. And then you can turn around and say, there you go.
1: You've done it. Well done. Right. So it sounds like your job is really rewarding but that you probably need quite a bit of patience and resilience to get there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It does take time and it does take resilience. And you do have to sometimes step back and sort of check in with yourself and and how you think about what you're doing and why you're doing it to then keep pushing forward to actually
1: really get to where you want to be. And is there anything that you wish other people knew about your job? Or any kind of misconceptions that people have about your job that you would challenge? I think that
0: some of the most prevalent misconceptions is because I'm at a senior level in the organization that I am seen as, as management. Somebody who just comes in and, and directs people and orders people to do things. And that is the complete opposite of what I'm here to do so like I mentioned before in terms of culture shift the leadership within an organization is really important and the culture of the leadership as well is slightly different to that of staff that are delivering on the day in and day out kind of basis and sometimes I feel that within the NHS or my experience within the NHS there can be a divide between those that do the jobs on the ground floor versus those that lead or manage the organization so for me Trying to break down those barriers, so that that understanding of who I am as a person and what my role is sometimes is preconceived incorrectly, if that makes sense. But it's only after time and talking to teams and engaging with them that they then start to understand what we're here for and what we're trying to do, and actually that it's about them and not me, and I'm
1: not there to boss people around. (laughs) So yeah, okay, that's really interesting, and. Moving on to a slightly different area now, finally, what advice would you have for students or young people who might be thinking about a career in quality improvement?
0: I found when I was younger, there were such limited options available to me. I didn't know what was out there and it was always either be a doctor, be a nurse, be a teacher. Be a lawyer. There was like six roles that I could ever think of. And I think what's wonderful about these particular podcasts is it opens your eyes to so many different opportunities. What I did also find is that whatever stage that you're at now, you've almost got to think three steps ahead. So if you're doing GCSEs, you've got to start thinking, well, what grades might I need to get into A levels, or what A levels might I need to get into university, and what university might I need to go to, or courses to study to get me into a sort of area or arena. So you're almost trying to plan your whole life from doing your GCSEs, which is really challenging. But what is particularly amazing about the NHS is in many ways, no matter what way you come in, wherever you start, there are so many options that are available to you. The learning and organisational development teams can often support you with apprenticeships if that's something you're interested in and where you might want to go. In terms of nursing, and for me personally, what I've always found is My job will have a fixed job description on things that I should be doing as part of my role. My passions and my enthusiasm then dictate where I end up. So what I've done is I've very often taken on things or done things that are beyond the initial scope of my job. So, for example, as the transfusion practitioner, I took on the regional TP kind of role and set up the national stuff. That wasn't part of my job, but I did it because I cared so much about what I was trying to achieve. And that was the bit that then enabled me to evidence meeting requirements of the job above and the job that I do now because I took myself out of my comfort zone and united people within a region and across the country. And and it's those skills, those transferable skills there that then got me to where I am now.
1: Yeah, I guess you're saying that you should push yourself, move out of your comfort zone and yeah. really think about your goals and where you want to end up, I guess.
0: Yeah, and over time you start to find what you really enjoy, what really kind of sparks your interest and gets you up every morning. Because we all need a job. We all need to work. And you can do jobs that are the same sorts of things day in and day out. And some people like to have that consistency and like to have that stability. Whereas I'm a bit of a glutton for punishment. I've always liked to push myself to think, what can I go next? What can I do? What course can I learn? How can I develop myself? What can I do, you know, next? And so, yeah, it is one of, like I say, one of the joys of working for the NHS. There are so many options.
1: Thank you. That's been really helpful talking to you. So thank you so much for for coming on the show today. No worries at all. Thank you. Thank you for listening to NHS Careers Untapped. To find out more about different career opportunities within the NHS, please check out our other podcasts available for streaming or download on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and YouTube. You can also find out about other events happening as part of the Careers Untapped project by registering on the Great Ormond Street Digital Education Network at the link provided in the episode description and searching NHS Careers Untapped. You can also find links to a couple of other great websites to check out, including healthcarecareers.nhs.uk and skillsforhealth.org.uk. This podcast was brought to you by the GOSH Learning Academy. If you want to find out more about our work, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll see you next time. Goodbye.